some things that I was talking about. Thank you, Tony. Blessing that. So we were we in the first session when I did, we were talking about he's the greater one. He's greater, amen. Is there any, anything greater than him? And is this a truth we should meditate upon? Is this a truth? Is this is is it enough just to kind of know this and not think about it much? No, we need to spend time on this. We need to. It's important that we we stir this up in our lives, and remember that He's greater. He, there's nothing more powerful than Him, the greater one. You're the greater one. You're greater than circumstances. You're greater than challenges that can attack my body. You're greater than attack from the enemy. You're you're greater than anyone and everything. Sometimes it's good just to spend time on that. And Father, I thank you that the greater one's in me. You're on the inside of me. You're on the inside of me to enable me to overcome. We've overcome because the greater one lives on the inside of us. And the, the, this revelation and this understanding of who's in me. So yes, the Holy Spirit's in me. Yes, but who's the Holy Spirit? Well, we're just told there. One of the things he is, he's the greater one. And Paul, Paul prayed as well. We looked at this in Ephesians. He prayed that we would get a hold of the power of the resurrection and understand the power that was released at the resurrection. That power is toward us. And in fact, elsewhere, Paul talks about the power that is working in me. Okay? So all of these truths go together. The power of the greater one, the power of the resurrection that's living on the inside of me, that's working inside of my life is something we really need to, 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 to stay with and get a hold of. Because when you understand that, and when you, when you get that, the, the, the real grasp of it, you realize there's nothing, I don't need to be intimidated about, about the enemy. When Christians are talking about what the enemy is doing and the power of the enemy and, what, you know, and, 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 and how difficult it is and what the enemy did here and what the enemy did there, you know, they're not really walking in the, the, the fullness of the revelation of, of the, the, of, of the revelation. The resurrection and the power of the resurrection and the revelation. We, 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 need, we need to have more con confidence in the greater one than in anything else, anything that comes against me. Is there anything we have to be afraid of? Is there anything that can, can overcome us? No, because the greater one, he's with me. And the power of the resurrection. That's why Paul, Paul got a hold of this and he, he latched onto this truth and he cried out that I may know him, yes. wanted to know him, and the power of his resurrection. What's that power? That's the power that was released. He describes it in, in Ephesians. The power that was released when Jesus was raised from the dead. Power that was turned up way beyond the normal. The, the magnitude and the size of that power is just put right up. And I don't believe it's necessarily because God needed to, but God, God was showing who's boss. Show the devil who's boss. Show the enemy once and for all. Why? Because the, the cross was, was our victory, was Jesus' victory, yes. but it was the enemy's defeat. Yes. God put on a show of muscle and a show of strength and a show of, of force. But we haven't got it. We, we, we've not really walked in the power of that and the re revelation of it ourselves. Why are we so intimidated by the enemy? And, and often when the, 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 these things are not flowing through our lives. Well, one of the things is first, faith comes by hearing the word. And we've got to meditate on this, camp on it. That's why I said in the last session, people hear it and they move on to the next truth. But then they never really get a hold of this. You've got to grab it and hold it like Paul did. I want to know the power of his resurrection and stick on this truth. 
Do you want to experience the, 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 the reality and the power of it in your life and, 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 and get a hold of that? But I said this in the last session. Was there anything the devil could do to stop the resurrection of Jesus? Was there, did, did the devil even have the power to hold Jesus in the grave? No, couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Is there any, any time the enemy has been able to beat God? How many battles has God lost? None. That, that's not a bad track record. And you're not just talking none over the last 10 years. You're talking none throughout eternity, throughout all time. How many, how many battles has, has Jesus lost? That's not a bad family to belong to. We're not on, this is not a bad side to be on, is it? How many, how many battles has the enemy lost? <laughs> He's counting them up. Tried to, he tried to attack the angels. He's tried to counter God. He tried to counter Jesus. He keeps losing. You know, next time the devil wants to sit on your shoulder and call you a loser, just Jesus <laughs> coming from the biggest loser in eternity. You're the biggest loser. <laughs> you really are. You lost a lot more than me, devil. Amen? So we don't need to be intimidated by what he can do. But so many Christians are. So many Christians are afraid. And this is why they talk about what the enemy's doing. And, 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 and you know, the, 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 how hard it is. One of the things that they haven't, they're not walking in is a revelation of the resurrection. That's why at the end there, I was talking about the fact, we don't really spend as much time on the resurrection anymore. As a church, there's a lot of talk about Jesus dying. And, and that's not a bad thing. Praise God for the crucifixion. Praise God for the death. I'm not saying don't talk about that at all. Talk, yes. But don't stop there. We're supposed to be preaching the resurrection. If you want to see more salvations, preach the resurrection. Because that's what, that's what our faith must be in in order to receive Jesus. And, and, and understand the power of it. Now let's go look at some things. Let's look at a few things here in, in, Acts, in, in Acts. Because that term, the greater one, he's greater. As I said, it's a comparison word. It's a comparison. Okay? He is almighty. There's no comparison in that because he is literally almighty. But that, the word greater means great, well, greater than what? Comparing this to this. Why does God take the time to compare? In fact, in fact, I was going to go to Acts. Go to, go to Luke 11 quickly. Let's, go, let's do this one first. I've mentioned bits and pieces of this along the way, but, but let's, uh, I'm going to move that slightly here. I feel like when I'm standing here, all I see is things in front of me. <laughs> Luke 11. And uh, start now, starting in verse 14, Jesus is talking about um, uh, it, well, actually, starting in verse 4, he's not talking yet. Starting in verse 14, it says, And he was casting out a demon, and it was mute. So it was when the, de the demon had gone out that the mute spoke and the multitudes marveled. But some of them said, He cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Now, what are they doing? They, they, are, they are calling the power that he is operating in demonic power. Is it okay to do that? Do you know it's one of the most serious things you can do in the Bible? Yeah. Is claim that something that is actually the Holy Spirit and say it's a work of the devil. Yeah. People will say, what is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? That. Yeah. 
If you look at the passages about blasphemy, about the Holy Spirit, it's when people attributed a work of the Holy Spirit to the devil. That's why you've got to be very careful. Christians run around and say things that the Bible points come from God. Oh, that's from the devil. That's of the devil. Very careful about some of that language because that, that is when you're attributing a work of the Holy Spirit to the devil and giving the devil the credit and saying he did it. It's a very serious thing to do. But what's Jesus doing here? He's casting out a demon. Yeah? And so they begin to say, well, that's the, 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 that's the pals, that's Beelzebub is doing it. It's amazing. Amazing how people have no problem believing. You get Christians like this today. Christians who even believe there's no problem believing the devil can do miracles. But the moment you talk about God doing miracles, all the problems and all the, oh, no, 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 God doesn't do them anymore. Who do you think wants us to believe there's no power for us anymore? <laughs> there's nothing in the Bible that says the power is not for us anymore. The one who wants us to think we can't walk in any power anymore is the one who that power is going to affect. A lot of Christians, they've got no problem talking about things the devil's doing, but the moment you start operating in any level of power, healing and miracles start flowing through a ministry, they'll immediately class you as being of the devil. That's a deception. <laughs> Be dangerous about that. So don't, don't just believe every book and every little thing you read about oh, such and such a ministry is of the devil. A lot of accusations going around about things. Yeah. If they did that about Jesus, do you think it's just slightly possible they could do that about a true godly ministry today? And who was doing this? This is the religious community. This wasn't the heathen on the other pagan, you know, and all the others on the other religions. This is the religious community saying that about Jesus. Just because someone makes a claim like that, does that, does that, does that mean they're right? Just because someone says, oh, that ministry is of the devil. What they're doing is of the devil. Does it, is it just because someone makes that claim, does that mean they're right? No. <laughs> it's like they keep a dog in the, in the back room or something. <laughs> okay. So this is what they did about Jesus. They said he's, he's operating, by, operating by demon power. Have you ever heard people, people claim that about Christian ministries these days? And you know how many Christians then follow that and follow that claim? They, oh, yo, yo, so and so said they're of the devil, so they're of the devil. Got to have more wisdom than this, more discernment. Yeah. Be able to recognize what is truly from God and what's not from God. Anyway, that's just an extra point. And so he began to talk about some things, and, and they said others testing him sought him from him a sign from heaven. What did they do? Others testing him? What did they do? Verse 16, others testing him. I'm checking if you're reading with me. Everyone's like, what, 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 what verse did he say? Uh, verse 16, others. So one group say, well, he's operating by demon power. Another group said, they, they're testing him and said, they sought a sign from him from heaven. Do you see that? Do, do a miracle. Do a miracle. Do you know that Jesus never felt pressured to do the miracles? When people tried to pressure him, do a miracle? There's one time he said an adulterous and, and evil generation seeks a miracle. Yeah. Now it's because they were seeking it in unbelief. Yeah. It was a prove it to me miracle. Yes. Do the miracle and I'll believe. Yeah. 
Okay? But the Bible, the Bible says signs will follow those who believe. It doesn't say believers will follow all the signs. A lot of Christians are running after everything, following after something that's the supernatural, and they're, but, but, they're, but they're not following the Word. But this group, what's wrong is they, they, they'll prove it to me, prove it to me. The Bible says, was that the Jews seek the sign and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we, the power of God and the wisdom of God, so anyway, verse 17, but he knowing their thoughts said to them, every kingdom, and he, he begins to say something, it would take me forever if I read every verse because I keep pausing on, on, on this as we go. But notice this, by verse 19, he says this, if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come amongst you. And I talked about this last time, the finger of God. I personally, I don't even think it's his big finger either. I think it was the little finger. He just goes, bye. That's, it. that's, 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 what is Jesus doing here? Why is he talking about the finger of God? They are, they are saying that the power of the Holy Spirit operating through him is demon power. So then Jesus in his teaching begins to compare God's power to demonic power. This is what he's doing. What he's doing. He's making a comparison. He's saying it only takes the finger of God to flick a demon out. And if you look at this passage, he's making a comparison. But then what does he go on to after talking about that? Verse 20, the, I cast out demons by the finger of God. Verse 21, when a strong man, fully armed. Who's the strong man in, in, he's talking about here? Okay. Who's, who initially, who's the first strong, strong man he's referring to? When he said, he's giving an illustration. He says, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are, at, are in peace. Well, it, it's an illustration, but in this illustration, who would that first strong man be? The enemy. Okay. Follow me, follow me. Was there a time when the enemy was comfortable guarding his stuff, thinking he's in control of everything? I've got, I, I got humanity, I've won. Then he says this. I lost my place. Verse 22. But when a stronger than he well, stronger, does that sound a little bit like greater? Yes. It's a comparison word. When a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, what does he do? He takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. Now, people, they, people have taught all kinds of things out of this. And, they, you know, I don't want to go into the whole things about what has been taught through the years out of this passage. But let's just ask a simple question. Who was the stronger one who came against the devil when he felt he was cozy and comfortable and in charge over humanity? Jesus. When did Jesus give this scripture? Before he went to the cross or after he went to the cross? While Jesus is on the earth, before he went to the cross. 
People have said this is, about, this is talking about something we must do to the devil. What they don't realize is Jesus is talking about what he was prophetic. He's pro- prophetically saying what he did to the devil at the cross. Jesus was the stronger one, but what did he do? I, I'm going through this step by step, but I, I, I wanna, I, I'm going to make a point in a minute. Who was the stronger one? Did the devil even stand a chance at the cross? Jesus said that the cross was, was the, the turning point. It's translated judgment of the world, but it's the turning point of, of everything. Everything changed at the cross. But, but, but because of the cross, what changed? What, what, other, what things changed in terms of the devil's hold over humanity? And, the, and, and it, it, before the cross, from Adam and Eve, there was no real threat or challenge to him. Jesus got the victory. What did he do? What, according to this, what does he say? Initially, that strong man, he's got his armor. He's, he, he's, he's all comfortable. He's fully armed. But then what does Jesus say in verse 22? When the stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, what does he do? takes with him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. Well, if he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted, does that mean he, he's armorless now? Yes. Uh, this is what you need to realize. It all changed at the cross. Do you know that after the cross, you will never... And I mean, in Scripture, (laughs) you'll hear Christians do this, but in Scripture, you will not find verses which talk about the devil in terms of strength after the cross. Colossians talks about how Jesus stripped him of his armor and paraded him down the, free, down the street like a Roman, like a defeated Roman foe. The Romans would do that, parade them down the street. And, and some translation says he's, say he's paralyzed and stripped of his armor. Yeah. Okay? Colossians 2.15? Now, how many of you, if, if, you know, okay, someone we all know, you know, some big muscle man like Arnold Schwarzenegger or something here comes in here and he goes, I'm going to beat you up. How many of you might little shake in your boots a little bit? In the natural, yeah? You might think, oh, okay, I'm, I'm out of here. I get as far away as I can. Let's take that same guy, all his muscle, paralyzed from the neck down, lying on a bed. Might still look big, but he's paralyzed. And he lies there on the bed, go, I'm going to beat you up. You go, yeah, see, get out of the bed first. Are you going to be intimidated? No. Well, he's not as much as a threat. The devil wants you to think of him in terms of strength. He wants us to view him as being strong. Yeah, okay. But Jesus, in that, in, in that instance, was the greater one. He, he took the, 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 the strong man, was taken down by a stronger man. 
But after that, after the resurrection, go, go test this out. Am I right? I, there are no New Testament scriptures which talk about the devil in terms yes. of strength. Yes. People say, but what about the scripture which talks about strongholds? <laughs> oh, my word. See, Christians, I'm, I'm just going to chat a little bit chat about some things, you know. Um, Christians talk about demonic strongholds. Where do we get that terminology from? If you talk about a stronghold, you're going to get ready for a battle because you think that thing's tough. Well, it's a demonic stronghold. We've gotten so used to this in our language. It's normal for us. We took a, a verse out of 2 Corinthians, which talks about a stronghold, which isn't even talking about the devil. And, we, and, the, and we've applied it to the devil. Look at, look at 2 Corinthians 10. I think it's 2 Corinthians 10. <laughs> Pretty sure it's 2 Corinthians 10. Yeah. Second Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. People, so some Christians say, well, you see, no, Owen, you're wrong. The Bible talks about strongholds, and it's in the New Testament, and, and, and that's the devil. It's demonic strongholds. No, excuse me. You just added a word in. Can you see the word demonic strongholds in there? In fact, can you see in that passage even mention of demons? Where does it talk about demons in those verses? Why have we pulled that word out and applied it to the devil? Look at the passage, what he's talking about. Casting, he goes in, mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought. Now, let me highlight a few words for you. Arguments, knowledge, and thought. Where do thoughts happen? This passage, not talking about some battle with the devils, this is talking about your own battle in your own head. And the strongholds are thinking patterns that become established in you, which have got to be torn down with the Word of God. The Word of God, the truth of the Word. When you, when you get a, a, a thinking pattern that's contrary to the knowledge of God, God created our minds to become a fortress. You're supposed to become a fortress in faith, but the enemy's got us working in reverse. Worry is the opposite of meditating on the Word. People say, I don't know how to meditate on the Word. You know, the Bible says meditate on the Word. I don't know how to do that. I'm like, you do, because you probably worried at some point in your life. What do you do when you worry? You revolve a truth. You just sit and think about something going wrong. Something going, oh, it's all going to go wrong. And you spend the whole day worrying about it all going wrong. You're meditating round and round and round and round about how th things are going to go wrong in your life. 
and you're not going to be able to pay. That's meditating on the negative. That's, you're doing exactly the principle of meditating upon the word, except our minds have become so accustomed to thinking like that. Fear is the reverse of faith. Okay? But God created our minds, so our minds are supposed to work with our heart. Our mind is supposed to develop a fortress of, of God's truth on something. So that, what is a fortress? No matter how much you try to tear something down, it, it, it doesn't come down. Yeah? It's a, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a strong thing. Now, our minds were supposed to become so established in belief systems that nothing can tear that belief out of you. Because of thinking patterns. How many of you have ever met someone who no matter how much you try to talk to them, they're just convinced there's no God? God could appear right in front of them and say, hi, I'm God. They'd say, you don't exist. Yeah, I don't believe in God. It's because there's such a stronghold on that topic. Nothing will change them. It's a belief system. It's a, a pattern or a way of thinking. And this becomes an obstacle in our life. But he's not talking about some demon thing. But we've taken that terminology and applied it into demonic strongholds to the point it's normal in churches to talk about demonic strongholds. What are you doing, though, when we keep referring to demonic strongholds? We are referring to the devil in terms of strength. And we're building into ourselves a belief system, he's a strong enemy. And we're up against a challenge. Some people are not going to like what I'm preaching right now because it goes contrary to, to, to some popular belief. Jesus was the stronger one who stripped the enemy of his armor. He is no longer the strong man. In fact, you could say right now the strong man on the church on the, on the, on the, on, in the world is the church, the body of Christ. But that's a different way, different thing to talk about. But at the, at the death, burial, and resurrection, the power of God manifested. Everything changed in terms of the, of the devil. And we were seated with Christ in heavenly places. People are saying, oh, yeah, but you know, what about all the principalities and powers in the heavenlies? Well, we're down here on the earth. No, no, you're in the heavenlies too. Yes. Seated with Christ in heavenly places. <laughs> You might have to listen to the recording of that one because that one just, just came out. I don't even know what I just said. We are, I just said people are going on about the fact that the principalities and powers and all these in the air, but actually we are in the heavenlies too. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. We, are, we, are more, we have been trained to be more convinced about the power of the enemy, even from the pulpit we're taught that. Strongholds and, and all of them. But, but the moment you start talking about we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, we have authority, we're, 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 you know, then Christians start getting offended. It's the same thing they did with Jesus. They would accuse him of doing it by the... He, it's all right if a miracle happens by demon power, but oh, no, 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 God doesn't do miracles anymore. Who do you think wants us to think the devil is, more strong, is the strongest one and doesn't want us to 
come to an understanding of believing in the power of the resurrection and the fact that we're seated in Christ in heavenly places and I've got the greater one on the inside of me. That truth is highly offensive to a lot of Christians because they're so trained into thinking everything, everything about the enemy is strong. They're the same Christians that the moment the enemy attacks, run, like I said, run in the opposite direction because, hey, help, help, the devil's after me because they have no comprehension of the power that's in me and the greater one on, on the inside of me. The devil wants to suppress that truth. He wants us believing he's the strong one. The New Testament does not present the devil as the strong one. What happened in the book of Acts? Let's go look at a few things. Let's, uh, let's go back to where I was going to go. What happened in the book of Acts when the body of Christ, when, when the church, when, some, when a preacher came up against demonic forces? I'm not talking about... I'm talking about in the book of Acts because the book of Acts, we've got practical examples. Okay? What actually happened? Let's look at a couple of them. Acts chapter 8. Remember, who's greater? Can, you, can, can, someone, can someone quote me where in the book of Acts, Paul or Peter or John or one of the apostles walked around saying, oh, we can't, we can't go to that city. The demons are really strong in that city. Can, is there an example in there somewhere? Is there any example? Paul, Paul went somewhere and then he left and he said, oh, ain't going back there, man. There's a stronghold over that city. Where's the example? He walked in with the resurrection power and ripped to shreds what the devil was doing in that place. We've become intimidated by the power of the enemy. Afraid of the power of the enemy. Because we don't know the power of the greater one. Who is in us. Now let's look at a few examples. Acts chapter 8. Then Philip went down, verse 5, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ. What, sorry, what did he preach to them? Do you notice what he preached to them? Christ. People say, oh yes, he went and told them about Jesus. It does not say that. It says he preached Christ. Yeah. What's Christ? The anointed one and his anointing. He went into that place preaching the anointing and the liberty that the anointing of God will bring into your life. Same message that Jesus preached. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring liberty to the captives. He goes in there, he preached Christ to them. And the multitudes of one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Isn't it amazing? He preached the anointing and miracles started happening. Yeah? Un verse 7, unclean spirits crying. Sorry, what, what kind of spirits? Unclean spirits crying with a loud voice said, this is our city. We're bigger than you. You can't come in here. Is that what they cried out? <laughs> Unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out. What happened to them? They Unclean spirits got out. They came out, started leaving. Makes me wonder, if the unclean spirits are staying, <laughs> we ain't walking in the same anointing they walked in.
Unclean spirits came out, came out, came out, came out. Was there anything those unclean spirits could do to stop Philip when he was walking in that anointing? No. Why do you think they spend so much time trying to stir up humans to persecute and hate? Everywhere Paul went, they stirred up people to try to stop Paul. What does that tell you about, could the demons just arrive and stop him? No! <laughs> Their best effort was to try to get other human beings to stop him. They couldn't just vaporize in the church and stop Paul preaching. Because whenever, when he, whenever he was walking in the power of the resurrection, it drove them out. Why? God's the greater one. Where's he? He's in me. This is reality. We need, we need to understand the power of the, the almighty God. Get a hold of the, the revelation of the resurrection power and the greater one on the inside of me. They came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But then what happened? Verse 9. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery. What sorcery? Witchcraft. He's operating by demonic powers, this guy. This isn't just a philosophy of life, this guy walked in. He actually operated in sorcery. Are these kind of things real? It's not just Hollywood movies. These things... The people yield to demon spirits and allow those demon spirits to operate in them. If that's an environment of deception where there's no light of the truth of God, demons can do some things through a vessel. Okay? And this man's been yielding to that. He's practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was something great. Why were they astonished? He was, there was stuff happening through this guy. This man was familiar with demon powers operating through him, doing signs, wonders, miracles, some different things. To the point in verse 10, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. They're talking about, they're, they're lifting him up. This man is the great power of God. You see the problem with that statement? Is there any giving God the glory there? No, they're lifting the man up. And that's the, that this, everything's wrong about how this, he's operating by demonic powers, but it's all to make man lifted up higher. Draw the attention in the wrong place. Verse 11, and they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. So this man yielding to demonic power has had a grip over this region. Do you get the impression that these were just low-level, weak, demonic powers operating through this man? He's astonished the entire region. What happened when Philip arrived? You've got you to have an apostle to deal with that kind of demonic power. I'm sorry, Philip wasn't even an apostle. He, he's, just, he's, just been, he's just come out of helps ministry. <laughs> A chapter earlier, where's this, Acts 7? Two chapters earlier, he's, just, he's been in helps ministry. It's probably his first crusade as an evangelist or something like that, you know? <laughs> Verse 12, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. 
And we've seen already from a few verses earlier, miracles were happening. God's power was, was manifesting. Verse 13, then Simon himself also believed. That's interesting. This man walked away from all the power that he had been yielding to. Something got his attention. This is, he didn't just believe a philosophy. He's seeing the power of God manifesting through Philip. And, and, and he says, I'm going to walk away from what I've been yielding to. He realized what he'd been walking into was no match for what he was seeing through Philip. He saw something much bigger, much more powerful coming through Philip. He came into contact with a far greater power, and he recognized God's power was far greater. He recognized that, in fact, he was amazed. In fact, a few verses later, he's amazed by some of the manifest when the apostles go in and they pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit. He said, I'll, I'll pay for that. I, I, I want that gift to be able to do that. Yeah. It impressed him. Yeah. Why? He's seeing stuff that's on a level that's beyond what he's been walking in. Yeah. Why? Which is greater? Demon powers? Can demons just hold on to a city when, when Christians are walking in the power of God? No. Problem is, a lot of the time, we're not walking in the power of the resurrection. And we're believing a lie that we're up against a strong enemy while we're all weak. We need to build into us an awareness, the greater ones on the inside of me, that he is no match. And we need to stir up and build up and walk in the reality of things. This is why praying in tongues on a daily basis and walking in the word and being a vessel, other things we've taught about and do teach about are so important. It's not just head knowledge, it's walking in the reality of this. But the enemy's not more powerful. Let's look at, let's look at okay, this one, that, but this man turned from it. Now let's look at Acts 13. Let's look at another example. Did, did In the book of Acts, did they come up against sorcerers and demonic powers? Yes, they did. Did they deal with them how a lot of Christians deal with them today? Panic and cry for, for weeks and weeks and weeks about how powerful the enemy is that, that, that I'm up against. No. Acts chapter 13, verse 6. Now, when they'd gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer. There he is again, another sorcerer, someone operating by demon power. Yeah. A false prophet, who, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, okay, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimas, the sorcerer, Obviously, got more than one name. For, so is his name translated, yeah? Withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Now, let's, let me ask you this question. Was he powerful enough to withstand them? Was this sorcerer powerful enough to withstand, was it Paul? I didn't look at it, actually. It was Paul and Barnabas. Could he stop them? This man has had the attention of the, pro, the local proconsul, the local government. He's, he's operated in demon powers. This is his, what many Christians would refer to, his stronghold. Ain't a stronghold. So the resurrection destroyed the stronghold side of it. Was this man, by demon power, powerful enough to keep the grip on that area and stop 
The church. No. What happens next? So he tries, he withstands them. Verse 8, he withstands them. Verse 9, then Paul traveled all over Europe telling all the Christians to pray for him because the devil was after him. <laughs> no. Then Paul, Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. There's an important key there. He's walking in that. That's a manifestation happening through him. Looked intently at him and said, O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him. How long did it take? for this demonic power to be subdued. Must have been an all-night, at least a seven-day fast. An all-night prayer meeting. 24-hour days, all-night prayer meetings. Just had to happen constantly. I don't have a problem with praying like that. We pray like I pray like that. But when it's with the mentality of we've got to do it that long to, to beat the devil, then you're doing it from the wrong mentality. Because we're, we're thinking we're dealing with a strong enemy. Notice this. The power of God manifests what happens. Immediately, this man who's gripped this region as a sorcerer had the year of the proconsul, but which is the greater power? That anointing that Paul is walking in smashes that thing in an instant. Gone, broken. And in fact, this, this man is being this great sorcerer. Next thing you know, a dark mist fell on him, and they were leading him around by the hand. He can't, he's blind. He's gone. That, that's just like his power's beaten like that in a moment, in the blink of an eye. Who's the greater one? Who's the greater one? Who's the greater one? The greater one lives on the inside of me. But we've, we, we're always thinking about the, the enemy in terms of being the great one that we're up against. And it's been trained into us through years of teaching. We need to flip that round the other way. And begin to thank God, the greater one's in me. <laughs> the enemy tries to come against us. He's the one coming up against a match. He's the one coming up with a challenge. Did it take, was it a difficult thing to, believe, to, to break the power of this man's sorcery over that region? No. Paul just walks in. He walks in in the anointing. Next thing you know, that sorcerer's power is broken. And the, the, in fact, there's nothing that sorcerer could, could even do. His power was shown to be nothing in comparison to the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's just blinded like that. People say, oh. God made him blind. It doesn't say anything about a sickness. But, but let me say this. This man was opposing the gospel. You stand in the way of the things of God, and you stand in the way of God's covenant people. Don't cry on the ground and blame God for making you suffer afterwards if you come off second best. This is not talking about God teaching his children something. This is someone opposing the spread of the gospel. He came off second best because of it. Yeah? It's not a totally different matter entirely. Could have had a repentant heart, but there's no indication he did, yeah? 
Let's go to another one. Is it right to go to another one? Uh, should we look at this one? Acts 19. Now, there's other examples in Scripture, but while I'm looking at this, does, does, does the book of Acts show what happened when the power of God came directly into contact with that demonic power? Do we see it here? What happened to the demonic power? Crumbled. Why? Because which one's greater? Do you get the impression Paul was all panicked about the, the great enemy he was up against in the cities he was going to? Was he afraid? As he went into Ephesus, they said, oh, but you don't know, they're, they're the great temples and all these demons all over the city. And Paul was like, oh, guys, we better avoid this one. It's going to be hard in there. Or did he just take the, the power of the Christ into that place and that thing was shattered? No, it's a bit of a difference, isn't it? But we've been really trained into the mentality. That's why I say what I'm going to say is probably going to offend some people. Whether you got him on the video. Because Christians love to think about the enemy as the strong guy. And all the demon strength that we're coming up against. And, and at the end of the day, some of them might as well, like I said in the previous session, just be going, you are so great and mighty, devil. You are great and mighty. You are great and mighty. Stop talking about the devil in terms of strength. Get it out of our language. When we talk about strength, might, power, there's only one we should be referring to. And a revelation of the fact that our enemy is paralyzed. He was stripped of his armor at the cross. The cross was the turning point. Jesus called it the turning point. Acts 19, let's just grab a few of this. Uh, this, is, this is where um, miracles are happening through Paul in Ephesus in verse 11 and 12. Verse 13, some of the Jewish exorcists tried to use the name of Jesus, but they didn't have the authority. And they didn't understand some things. I don't want to go into all of that. They found you, you can't just play around with the things of God. But, but notice this, once we get down to... Um, Verse 17, 18, and 19, particularly verse 19. And many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them in a total of 50,000 pieces of silver. Verse 20, and the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. What's happening here in the city? Things that the, the demons... The demon's influences have just been broken. Do, do you see a big battle? What I do see is a riot happening in the city because the devil tried to stir up the people and the hatred, but I don't see demons being able to stop Paul. Things just broke when he was walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? He had an awareness of the power of the resurrection, the greater one on the inside of him. And this is something as a church that we need to, we, we need to stay with us and get this. And stop reverting back into constant thinking of the enemy as being a, a, tough, a tough opponent. Meditate on who my God is. I said, how many battles has God lost? How many confrontations with the enemy has God lost? Even in the Old Testament, and this is before the cross. What happened when Elijah faced the prophets of Baal? 
This is a direct, direct confrontation right there with people yielding to demonic things. And not only, I think it was 450 prophets of Baal yeah. <laughs> and one Elijah. Could 450 of them stop him when he's walking in the power of the Holy Spirit? No. Was there any match between the power of God and, and, the, and the power of the prophets of Baal? No. What about when Moses walked into Pharaoh's court and encountered Pharaoh's magicians? Was, were they any match? They, they could duplicate. They, they yielded to powers because when Moses threw his rod down and it turned into a serpent, what did they all do? <clears throat> that, that means there was actual demonic power operating there. There was something supernatural going on through those people. It's not just a philosophy. There was a manifestation. They were able to duplicate that one miracle. But God didn't start on his biggest miracle. <laughs> that was just the starting one. And anyway... Moses' rod ate all of these, didn't he? All ten of these. Took them down like that. What's God showing? <laughs> you guys have come up against something you, ain't, you do not comprehend. You've come up against the power of Almighty God. That's even in the Old Covenant. We need to walk in this. We need a revelation of this. We need to really grasp and understand who is the greater one. Who is the, str the real strong one? And are we supposed to be intimidated by the size and power of the enemy? It's about time we stop. It's about time we begin to thank God. This attack, it's nothing. Power of God can flatten that in, a, in the blink of an eye. And dwell on this. Build this into us. Amen? Well, I, I hope you got something out of this today. I hope it's stirred you. I hope it's encouraged you. It's given you something to think about. Okay? And um, I, some of that I didn't really go, intend to go into, but I think it's good to. But, uh, but it's what I had on my heart for today was the greater one, the comparison, the greater one, and the real understanding of, 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 of actually which, which side we're on. We ain't on the weak side. We ain't on the losing side. Yes.